1: Bring in show music, please.
0: This is SquawkPod, Pod, and I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. On today's episode...
1: The skip, I shouldn't call it a skip, the, the decision.
0: Jerome Powell announces the Federal Reserve's big interest rate decision.
2: They did not raise.
0: Not this month, at least. And fast casual chain Kava making its public debut. One of the chain's investors, Steve Case. And why he's betting... Companies outside Silicon Valley.
1: But investors not paying attention to this this broader opportunity all around the country are going to miss out on some of the great investments over the next decade.
0: Those stories, plus a small win for Sam Bankman-Fried and a big win for Fathers Everywhere.
3: What's on your wish list? What would you like? I don't. What do you
2: give someone who has? I have. I have absolutely everything.
0: It's June fifteenth, twenty twenty-three, and SquawkPod begins right now.
1: Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue, please.
0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Squawk Box
4: here on CNBC. We're live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe
0: Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Let's take a look at what's up. first up today on the podcast, it's here, the skip. After 10 straight interest rate hikes, the Federal Reserve decided against an increase in the federal funds rate. A pause in the central bank's 15-month campaign of raising interest rates? Not so fast. Good afternoon. Chairman Jay Powell did project another two-quarter percentage point rate hikes before the end of the year, but he wouldn't tip his hand about next month. So a skip, not a skid, not a pause and Definitely not a pivot. Powell said he doesn't see a rate cut until inflation comes down meaningfully.
1: At such time as inflation is coming down really significantly, and again, we're talking about a couple years out.
0: Now, inflation did cool in May. Yesterday's reading of the Consumer Price Index showed the 12-month pace of inflation slowed to 4%. That 12-month increase was the smallest since March 2021, when inflation was just beginning to rise to what would become the highest in 41 years. Now, the early 1980s were a whole other time in Fed history, but let's jump right in. Here's Andrew.
3: Let's get to the man of the hour, our own Steve Leisman, uh, on the Fed's decision to hold rates steady and signaling that surprise plant uh, rate hike. Senior economics reporter, Steve Leisman, joins us now
5: with more. You were sitting there. What did you think? I was pretty surprised, Andrew. It was uh, not what I was expecting. I thought maybe it might tilt hawkish, but it ended up tilting more hawkish than even I thought. What do you think? If we can get under 3% on inflation,
3: it seems to me that they could just hang around for a very, very, very long time. I mean, what do you think the the ultimate, I mean, we keep talking about the goal getting to 2%, but... It seems to me that 3% is actually the real threshold, and then they can, I, am I wrong in terms of how you think they're thinking about it?
5: Well, first of all, I want to redirect everybody's attention, and, and I tried to do this when the CPI number came out, and I guess I was not quite shouted down, but I was overwhelmed by the, by the uh, positivity in the report. Remember, the CPI came out and it brought it, the uh, headline number down to 4%, and everybody's like, this is an all clear, it's a great inflation report, and I said, you know what? That core at 5.3 is still something that's going to concern the Fed. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. that's the thing to watch. And, that, and, no, and that's why they it,
4: raised. That's why they raised the number of hikes they expect, right? Because they all exactly. raised their expectations for the core. Exactly. That, that struck me
5: too. That's exactly right, Becky. That core is not coming down as fast as they had hoped, and that's where the focus is. If you keep watching that headline number, you're going to be head faked by it because that number is coming down with the. Uh, 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 Oscillations in in food and energy costs, it's not what they're following. They're following that core, and that core is still high at 5.3. It's not coming down as fast as the headline. Maybe it does come down. So, Andrew, I guess I'm answering your question by saying you're asking the wrong question. That headline number Thanks. could come down to three and change um, mm. very, very likely because yes, of the cord. base effects that we talked about yesterday. But that core number is not going to come down quite as much, so watch the core number for what the Fed thinks. I think. And but they, really- t-
2: they did not raise; they did not that's raise, right. which means they want to see. They definitely want to see whether there's some lag effects that, that they're not taking into account. Probably no cuts this year. That's for sure. What I think is kind of interesting, Steve, is everyone goes, "Well, yeah, uh, inflation's moderating. That's because of energy prices." And it's like, "Yeah, <laughs> energy prices had a lot to do with, with why, why we, we got-, got in that." Pick one. Of the, so it's weird that we just discount that if they can't keep oil above seventy, and, and there's more supply coming on, that could filter through eventually, and even hit all the stuff that, that it goes into core. It's not directly in core, but it seems like it's. It seems like it's a positive. I don't know. I, I think it was a hawkish skip. That's exactly what it looked like to me. And you remember recently, Steve. No, we're 80 percent. They're going to do it now. Uh, three days later, 10 percent. Now we're back to 80, but now we're back to 10, depending on, you know, the, the numbers du jour. This 70 could change or I mean, think of that 11. I mean, no one believes that. But I don't even know if I believe 70. July a long way off.
5: Um, it is. We'll, and we could we could get positive numbers, Joe. But again, the issue is not. You're right. Oil has been a big part of it. But the thing that's concerned the Fed all along is not know. what's happened with oil prices. It's how it's bled into other parts and how it's also caused the expectations numbers, at least on the one-year wow. basis, to go up. And that's what they want to see be under control. It's the they busiest want travel to- day
2: in history, Steve. Why? It's bus- <laughs> the busiest travel day. It's a three-day weekend, but it's weird that this is the day that's the busiest uh, air-, air travel day since before the pandemic. So... There you have it. I mean, people still want to go out, and, and there's, but I, I still think that this is not Steve the '70s. We had a pandemic. We reopened. That caused supply chain stuff. There was inflation. I just don't know if it's like you know everybody has the ghost of Volker uh, in their head, and you know everybody wants to be Paul Volker, but I don't know if the if the I don't
4: know if anybody wants to be Paul Volker. they just don't want to be Arthur. <laughs> right.
2: Barnes. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but if uh, you know, Volker is, is seen almost as a folk hero for curing everything and his resolve and firm in the face of uh, At criticism the time, and all it wasn't that. Quite as but popular. it popular. May, it, it may these times may not call for for the same thing for a Paul Volcker. it's weird I, though I, that i some i think guys that's still right, say Joe. cuts and that scares me because something really something would have to break if we got
5: cuts i mean that that, that some people are, are are seeing the uh the silver lining around this forecast today saying why is the fed saying two more hikes? Well, because the economy is stronger. If you look at it, they did raise their GDP forecast. They did bring down their unemployment rate, which also tells you they're not getting quite the response they expected from their rate hikes in the economy right now. And I agree with you, Joe, and I've, I've sort of been on this train for a long time, which is the idea that th- none of the analogs really work very well for what we're going through right now. You keep trying to overlay the 70s or the 80s or the 90s, and this is a very new experience, a new phenomenon. I agree with you. We, we may not yeah. need Volker, but what the Fed officials are saying is what we've done so far is not enough. And, again, I turn your attention to, and I'll, I'll get you some charts on this for next time, I didn't do it this time, but is the real rate. Do right. the 3.9 minus the 5.6, and I think you come up with about, what, 2% two, two or something like that uh, is what the Fed is looking for, uh, 1.7 in terms of the real rate. That's a bit higher than they expected. That's the rate that they think is needed to bring inflation yep. back down to their 2% target. And if you come away with anything from this, I think you got to come away with the idea that, that Powell is serious about the two percent target. It's uh, not a three. Well, I wish he it was it's less serious a two about. Two and a half.
2: Put, I wish he was less serious about putting people out of work. That's, it's like we've been unsuccessful, really, in, in causing enough joblessness. So uh, we're going to keep trying till we. Uh,
5: we can cause some more unemployment. I know I they always know say inflation. I don't know if that's fair, Joe. I don't know if that's fair. I don't think he really wants that to happen. I think he sees that sure? as a precondition. We keep asking it,
2: right, Andrew? We keep asking. It, what's the number of unemployment? You, know I, heard so, you know where, I heard somebody calling it. What's today? the number of unemployment where they're happy?
4: But I heard somebody call us today the immaculate disinflation. Right? Can you bring down inflation right. without messing up right. the jobs market, right. the economy too much? Can you? You think,
2: Steve, that they would they stop if it was still in the threes? unemployment they won't they really I mean it's sad but that's what they want they They want four and a half or
5: five no look let's be fair to Powell on this because the record is pretty clear he was the first guy to talk and I would say it was received with skepticism in the economic community about this idea of reducing job openings and not reducing the un- not raising the unemployment rate. Okay, and that was received skeptically. He's, he's been saying that for a long time. And some other folks now have glommed onto this idea, the possibility that you could indeed bring down just the job openings and not raise the unemployment rate. I think that's what he hopes. I do think he believes that the economy or the job market is extraordinarily or historically tight and that it requires a bit of loosening or softening in order to bring down wage gains and stop these uh, uh, the inflation that we're seeing in the core service sector. That's his yep. theory of the case. If it ends up meaning some more unemployment, I'm. I think that's just the reality of the case. If does that,
2: that's like a, that's like Nadia Comaneci nailing up. That's like getting a
5: ten off of the the, if, the if vault you can, to, it, Right. To right. If, if you like can that. do that, look, look, Joe. If we end up, I've said it before. If we end up at four point one percent unemployment, it is a win.
3: We've got a developing story to tell you about. Uh, This happened overnight. Federal prosecutors that were investigating the collapse of FTX saying they are withdrawing now several charges facing founder Sam Bankman-Fried. Those charges include a count of bank fraud, as well as, if you remember, there were some allegations made that he bribed a foreign government. The withdrawal of those counts is a big victory, actually, for Bankman-Fried, who argued that prosecutors should not have been allowed to charge him with additional crimes, and those crimes were added to the docket. This was after the extradition. So if you remember what happened... Uh, When he left the Bahamas, uh, it was under the Bahamas effectively grant you a waiver and says you can be charged for the counts that you're telling us about right now. This was always the issue of.
4: And he didn't fight it.
3: Of how long. Right. And he said, okay, you want to charge me with those? Great. And then he got to the United States and the government said, actually, we want to charge you with five or ten other things. I think in this case, maybe five things. Um, And then what's happened since is the government is now. I think recognizing that they, and they
4: can't add stuff to the list that so, they
3: went too far. It's, so, it's,
4: it's not that they don't think he did these things; they just can't because technically. Because that was the deal that, was that they that was the deal, that, that, they was the deal
3: that they made. Now, yeah. interestingly, uh, I believe two charges that they're still trying to stick uh, in the list were not there originally, and these were the charges around uh, not bribery of uh, of government officials outside the U.S. Remember, the, there was the foreign bribery count that's now going to be off the docket, but. Uh, some of the lobbying um, and political money in the U.S. And they're, they are still trying to keep that in the case, how they're able to keep that in the case, or whether they're able to keep that in the case, now that they've uh, effectively acknowledged that they can't keep the others in the case. It's an interesting letter. Uh, this- it came out about... I don't know. Almost midnight last night.
4: You know, th- this is so interesting because remember at the time, people are like, "Why don't they just go after him? Why don't they do something? It's taking too long. Right. How can they not see this? This is the explanation for for why you move slowly with things like this and, and methodically before you go ahead and do some of these things." But at the time, it was, "Why aren't they moving?" They wanted
3: to move fast, yeah. and they wanted to get him to the United States, and part of getting and they him to the did United it right S-
4: before he was supposed to testify right. before Congress. And
3: getting him to, him to the, the United, United States is, is is that is that cost? So um, it's very interesting. Cheese will be next.
0: Coming up next on SquawkPod, DC based Kava makes its IPO. And one of the investors in the fast casual chain says Kava isn't the only company that's growing outside Silicon Valley. It's Revolution CEO and AOL co founder, Steve Case.
1: 1,400 new venture firms have started in Rise of the Rest cities over the last decade. I think we're seeing a transformation of the innovation economy, which will launch more and more companies like a in Washington, D.C.,
6: not just companies in San Francisco, New York. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. Texto, give it to you. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. Acura wins by that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Next, go give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Give Order now at Acura.com.
0: Welcome back to Squawk Pod. This next story starts with Kava's IPO.
3: Kava's just open for trading. Bob Asani is there, Bob. Here it is. Kava has finally opened here. $42, look at that. $22 was the initial price. And remember, we were talking about 17 to 19.
0: The fast casual Mediterranean chain got its start 12 years ago. And as Kava prepared for today's public listing on the New York Stock Exchange, the company was reportedly marketed as the next Chipotle behind the scenes. Well, is it another Chipotle? Investors hope so. And why wouldn't they? Chipotle's stock is up 10,000% since its IPO 17 years ago. Speaking of investors, here's Becky kicking things off with our next guest.
4: Joining us right now is one of Kava's early investors. Steve Case is the chairman and CEO of Revolution, which has been invested in the company since 2015. Revolution's rise of the Rest Seed Fund invests in startups outside of Silicon Valley. And Steve, you guys have been in Kava for a very long time.
1: Yeah, nearly a decade. We believed that there was going to be a transition in the food industry, really a transformation that fast food would give away to fast, casual, healthier options would make sense, more customization, more convenience, using technology to enable all this. And that's really what Cobb has done so well over the past, uh, really, decade. And I'm really proud of the the team there, led by Brett Stolman. also our team at Revolution. Ted Leontis and Todd Klein have really been on point on this. And it's a a great example of the kind of company we love to back at at, uh, at revolution, including the fact that it happened to be headquartered in Washington, D.C., which is not known as a startup <laughs> hub or a culinary hub, uh, but it birthed uh, Cobb and also birthed Sweetgreen, which we also invested in nearly a decade ago. How
4: would you find it or who found it?
1: We found it because partly because of the area, partly because you know, Ted Leontis as uh, part of the, the Greek mafia, if you will, and was watching what's happening in the Mediterranean <laughs> segment, knew some of the founders of uh, the original Cava restaurant, and then Brett Shulman, who had a terrific career in, in, in banking, decided to take the lead in turning it into a more of a fast, casual concept. So we were in the early, early days, really believed in the vision, uh, and now they've emerged really as the leader in the Mediterranean category all around the country, but still half the states, they haven't yet entered, so there's a lot of runway and uh, uh, so. Very excited by what's happened the last decade, excited for the team today, and and really looking forward to the next decade. I actually was just texting with Brett, the CEO, a few minutes ago, and he was talking about the fact that they've done a good job in the first decade. But now the next decade is when things really start to accelerate.
4: I was going to say, you guys must have made a huge return to this point, but it doesn't sound like you're going to take the money and run anytime soon. You see this as being a long-term no, no, investment? We're,
1: we're, We're definitely big believers in in common. big believers in these these mega trends. And when we're we're backing companies, whether it's focused on on place, things like Rise of the Rest, or increasingly focused on policy, because we think some of the most innovative companies in this next decade will have a policy regulatory aspect because some of the big Industries up for grabs are regulated also because what's happened in Congress last year with the Chips and Science Act, the Inflation Reduction Act, Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill, $3 trillion are going in the economy. That's going to create a lot of momentum for, for innovative companies. So place and policy are the two areas we're really focused on. But when we back companies, we're really taking a, a long term views and we're in for the long run.
4: You know, we were talking earlier with Scott Cohn, who does the the, the best in America, the states with the best economic economic return and everything. He does that for CNBC every year. has been doing it since 2007. And one of the things Joe brought up with him is, look, you got to look at things a little differently because of where the money's going, whether that be for infrastructure, whether that be from the money that come from the the Fight Inflation Act or whatever it's called. Um, do you do the same thing when you start looking for places that you're going to invest, companies you're going to invest, you're kind of following that same money route?
1: Well, we've been doing this for uh, you know for about a decade. We did our first Rise of the Rest bus Tour about a decade ago. We then launched a, a, a venture fund, a seed fund focused on these companies. We've now invested in 200 companies in 100 cities through that Rise of the Rest seed fund. So we've actually been trying to identify promising companies in places that don't get much venture capital, back them, and then as they scale, bring in capital from the, the coast. And we've seen that accelerate over a last few years, certainly the pandemic has been a little bit of a of a tipping point in terms of the dispersion of talent, a dispersion of, of capital. But what happened last year, and you just referenced it, is, I think, a bigger deal than most people realize. And investors should be paying attention to this because the, the the investment that's going into the economy from the from the government is quite significant. There was a site that was just launched last week called invest.gov, which shows where the, the, the government investment is, as well as the, some of the private capital going into things like infrastructure. And you'll see there's dots all over the country. And so even though for the past decade, venture capital has been limited to the coast, 75% of venture capital going to California, New York, and Massachusetts, just three states. If you look at what's happening now with this government investing and what's now happening with venture investing, 1,400 new venture firms have started in rise and rest cities over the last decade. I think we're seeing a transformation of the innovation economy, which will launch more and more companies like Acaba in Washington, D.C., not just companies in San Francisco, New York, and and Boston. So it bodes well for for those communities. I think it also bodes well for, for the country. But investors, not paying attention to this this broader opportunity all around the country are going to miss out on some of the great investments over the next decade.
4: So Kava, Sweet Greens, lots of other places that you guys have been early, early investors on. What, What are some of the early investments that you're most excited about right now, things that you're just putting seed money in over the last couple of years that you think will be big uh, five, 10 years down the road?
1: We invested a company in Arkansas called Acre Trader, created an investment platform to allow you to invest in farmland. We invested in a company in Atlanta called Hermes and building a Mach 5 engine. So you can go from Atlanta to Europe in 90 minutes. The Air Force is a big, big customer of those. We invested in a company in Chattanooga, Tennessee called Freight Waves. has built a, a data platform, kind of like Bloomberg for the trucking and logistics industry. We're seeing all kinds of opportunities. We're all seeing, not need to say, a lot of opportunities in the AI space. Through our Revolution Growth Fund, we recently invested in. A company called Carbon Robotics. It's using AI and lasers to identify, you know, in, in on farms, weeds, and then kill them using the, the the lasers. So it's a combination of AI and lasers. Tempest in Chicago is using AI to really save lives by. More, more thoughtfully, precisely diagnosing a disease. We also backed another AI-based company called Interactions that focus in the customer service area. So we see a lot of potential in that, not just in terms of the AI software platforms, which are getting a lot of attention, OpenAI and so forth, but some of the specific applications that are really uh, bringing innovation to industries that, that need it using AI and other kinds of, of technologies. And some of that for sure is happening in places like Silicon Valley. but A lot of it's happening all over the country, and that bodes well for what we're trying to do at, at Revolution and, and Rise of the Rest.
4: Steve, you you just mentioned Rise of the Rest, talking about all of these places outside of of, of Silicon Valley and the tech areas. When you see San Francisco right now, you see Whole Foods and Nordstroms walking away, uh, you know, uh, owners walking away from hotels, uh, walking away from all kinds of properties, mall properties even. Um, You know, I recently read an analysis that suggested something like this could cost San Francisco a couple of hundred million dollars a year in revenue over the next couple of years. I'm sure you don't look at that and think I told you so or anything, but w- w- what what do you think when you see this happening? No, I
1: think it's sad. I think San Francisco is a great city, and, and, and I've always loved San Francisco, loved Silicon Valley. When we talk about Rise of the Rest, we're really trying to level the playing field, create more opportunity for more people in more places, it's not an anti-Silicon Valley thing. It's a pro-the rest of the America thing. So I, I've been sad to see what's happening in, in San Francisco. It's, it's become sort of what some called a, a doom loop, where there's a lot of you know, challenges, crimes, where people aren't there because people aren't there. Other problems happen, including hotels shutting down, stores shutting down, so forth. I, I believe in San Francisco. I, be, I believe in Silicon Valley. I believe it will continue to be strong. I suspect there will be a, a rebound coming, uh, but for sure right now, it's, it's, it's challenging. It does create some opportunities and some of the other places. Certainly, some people have left San Francisco to go to other places. That helps strengthen the startup communities in those other places, which, if you take the long view, I think is good for the country. We want a more dispersed innovation economy. We don't want all our eggs in one basket. We want to create jobs and economic growth all across the country. Uh, and so having people move, having capital flow to other places, I think, is important. That's why we've been talking about this for the past uh, a decade, even worked on legislation like the Jobs Act a, a decade ago. Uh, but but certainly the challenges right now in San Francisco, I think, are a wake-up call that, that cities, mayors in, in those cities, business leaders in those cities really need to recognize that something fundamental has happened, and how do you get people you know, back to these downtown areas and create a, a vibrant safe communities.
4: You think that's possible? You think that of course, eventually people course are all going to get back to these buildings. We just talked about how New York City, I think, last week finally got above 50 percent occupancy. Granted, it, it was never at 100 percent before. It was closer to 70 percent. But for the first time since the pandemic, it was just in the last week or two that it actually got to 50.5 percent.
1: Yeah, we're in a different world and it's a grand social experiment. And uh, three or three plus years ago, pre-pandemic, everybody thought they're going to always be in offices five days a week. You know, two years ago, one year ago, oh, we're all fully remote. Now it's much more in a hybrid mode. A lot of companies are bringing people back. Even some of the tech companies that announced fully remote policies have reversed those policies and want people back in the office. And so you're seeing a lot of movement in terms of getting people back in the office. I think people realize, well, it can be more convenient to work remotely and you can do some things that that can be very productive on specific tasks creativity, collaboration, some of the things that make young companies, startups so special, being together does really have uh, value. So I think the momentum is towards that. I think you will see people in offices more, but we'll still have some kind of new normal where there's a kind of a hybrid, and it will benefit some of these rides in the rest cities city because one of the challenges yeah. they had is that as these companies grew, they weren't able to access some of the talent that really had experience with hyper growth. Now they can by having some of those people be uh, be remote. So I think we're in a, in a new world. We're all adjusting to it. I think it creates a lot of opportunity for a lot of people and a lot of places.
4: Yeah. Hey, Steve, uh, congratulations to you and, and Ted and the rest of the crew for seeing Kava so early, and thanks for coming on with us today.
1: Thank you all. It's great to be with you.
2: See him rattle off those investments? that he? Yeah, look down at his notes.
4: No, he knows it. He knows what he's like doing. Ten
2: with things exactly what they do.
4: I love that Ted leonzo saw the Kava thing because his Middle Eastern connections saw it, saw it happen. Good story.
2: he Might be smart. I think <clears throat> it, you forgot that. It it, it, be, it, yes. Wasn't it the Inflation Causation Act? What
4: was the name? Yeah, the Inflation Reduction. Oh, that's Act it.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm Where sorry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> like the Affordable Care Act. <laughs> I had to think about it for a sec.
0: Still to come on Squawk Pod. Happy Father's Day to all our squawking dads. We're talking paternity leave, parenting, and our favorite jobs. I like it here. Of course you do. It's easier.
6: Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. Next, give it to you. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. Acura. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Let's go give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all electric ZDX Type S. Give Order now at Acura.com.
0: You're listening to Squawk Pod with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Orkin and by in three, two, one, cue, Andrew.
3: Father's Day is uh, this Sunday. You, you ready for yes. it? Are you excited? U.S.
2: Open? I, yeah. I honestly, I think Father's Day is kind of a stretch. I think, you know, there was a there was a real Mother's Day for a reason, right. and then people said, oh, we need a And it was not a real... You know, well, no, that, you,
4: that's not true. I got to tell you, my dad... I mean,
2: we deserve it, I guess. My husband
4: but, really... Do a lot. My dad's what been my Manny for twelve years. Yes. My husband yes, does he's tons amazing. of work. Yes, your, your father you like
2: is those, amazing. Yeah, but do you like those cards? I mean, it, they're AI cards. Those are perfect
3: for AI. What, what, just, uh, we, gotta, we have a story here. But what, what's on your wish list? What would you like?
4: I don't. What do you give you someone who to, has, You want time to I watch have, the USO? Yeah,
3: I have. I have
2: absolutely everything.
4: Moms yeah. want their kids around on Mother's Day. Dads right. want them to be. Everybody leaving.
3: I'd like to be able to <laughs> eat whatever I want whenever I want. I don't think I'm going to get that. Yeah, I don't think anyone can give you that, unfortunately. <laughs> no, I know. Um, Meantime, uh, about six in 10 men in the U.S. are fathers. Uh, 93% of dads currently part of the workforce. It's according to Just Capital. Wall Street uh, leads corporate America when it comes to offering paternal benefits. It's kind of interesting. Goldman Sachs, uh, Bank of America, Intuit, Morgan Stanley, each offer 16 or more weeks of paid paternal leave for secondary caregivers or non birthing parents, often dads, as well as backup dependent care, subsidizing child care and flexible work scheduling. 41% of America's biggest companies offer some form of paid paternity leave. But on average, dads receive three weeks less than moms. And even when companies offer generous paid paternity leave benefits, 70% of fathers take 10 days off or less. And I must say that I feel like that was actually one of the great mistakes in my life. Actually, if you if I go if I could go back in time, no, no, because I I remember when Sydney was born. I think I was off maybe three days, literally three days. Uh, when the boys were born, I was back within I don't know, five days, four days. I mean, quick, and no, and I really I actually think it was a mistake. I really do. Can they give it I to really you when they're three? I know can we all think Can you delay that? it? Um, we all think that, but I think that the first first, the, the first period is, is the and most and important. And it's not just
4: for the kids. It's bonding with the kids, but it's also saving them all.
3: I do. I do. I'd rather... I like it here.
4: Of course you do. It's easier.
2: <laughs> it's like, okay, thanks. It's a, it's a nice thought, but I'm good. You go ahead. I, I, you know, to my employer, you can, uh, let me bank, can I put it in the bank?
3: But I was going to say- For
2: <laughs> right. No, but just I for face. later. I'll, you'll be changing poopy diapers. You know that. I You're going to be hearing the crying. 16, You're going to be trying right. to give them. A,
3: they're not going to you want know. them. But what I was going to say, sixteen weeks is actually a lot of time. And, and that's unbelievable. It, it's unbelievable. An it's actually an expensive. It's an interesting it's thing. More because time it, than I took off from maternity a ex- with any of my kids. It's a very expensive benefit yeah. uh, to provide. I think but it's. But nuts. you are seeing the shift, and have, it's very. It's actually moving much more like what we're seeing in Europe.
4: But that's more time than I got off from maternity leave. Right. Because, you know, now we offer six months, but that happened a few months after right. I. I had Kaylee. So three months was what we offered. Right.
2: Back, back for then? For mothers back then. I think no. it's crazy wokeness. I, well, you know that.
4: It, it is hard. I'm telling you, it's a 16 lot 16
2: weeks, that's insane. That is insane, and I'm good. Take it away, Penelope. Yeah,
4: yeah you don't want to work that She's hard.
2: so much better at things like that. You know, got d- d- like dot me dad on, all the who details. Loads the,
4: loads the dishwasher badly so nobody ever asked you. I to didn't
2: do have it a again. dishwasher growing up and I use I walk the plate I use, like I can use one plate and one set of when I was single that's all I had.
0: <laughs> oh, she saved your life. She you did. It. That's the pod for today. Thank you so much for listening as always. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. You can catch them live weekday mornings on CNBC starting at 6 a.m. Eastern. And if that three-hour broadcast is just too much for you, or maybe it isn't enough, follow us here on Squawk Pod wherever you're listening now. We'll meet you back here tomorrow.
1: We are clear. Thanks, guys.